It's um, really, really nice to eat foods. I suppose it's just very natural. It's uh, it's not like doing magical, you know, things in front of you. It's just it's pretty and it's just natural and it's just really delicious and it gets it allows you to move on and. Um, have a good time and enjoy things without being overwhelmed by what's being said on the plate. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking to someone whose food just makes me feel good. And not just me, I think everybody that eats it just loves Brigida Hafner's food. She is the chef at Tedesca on the Mornington Peninsula, which was recently named Gourmet Traveller's Restaurant of the Year. So welcome and congratulations, Brigida. Oh, thanks, Danny. That is that is a pretty nice introduction and um, really nice things uh, that you said. Well, excited to be here. I'm loving uh, what you do and um, been enjoying listening to all your conversations over um, lockdowns. Thank God for that. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I'm glad if it's helped, and I definitely enjoyed one uh, a chat that I had with your business partner James Broadway last year, um, and. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of passion and thought that goes into everything that you guys do. But just because I love your food so much and it's a long time since I've eaten it, can you please tell me what you're cooking at the moment at the restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we we start with a little um, zippoli, which is an anchovy wrapped in sort of a pugliese bread dough and deep fried, has a little sage leaf inside so that's our little starter and then we go on to meze which is usually everything that's grown in the garden or around the farms here and it's um carrots and artichokes a la grec it's uh galateri curd from greece um there's some um beautiful seafood that comes next which is crayfish um with a saffron broth and some wild fennel fronds uh with linguine that's a really lovely dish and then we follow on with um a grilled quail it's sort of got a really spicy pepper marinade and it's got a sichuan glaze that's a little bit chinesey and um that's that's on the grill. So we do that on a wood grill. And then lastly, we have milk-fed lamb. So it's coming from um, up north Victoria at the moment. Beautiful whole milk-fed lambs that we cook in the wood oven with um, lots of herbs and tomato and sherry and served really slow cooked. It's divine. Yum. And is there something sweet to finish? Yes. Actually, the dessert's a bit like a cocktail at the moment. It's served in a little martini glass. It's Moscato jelly. Um, it has a buttermilk sorbet that has fig leaf infused in it and a rhubarb and strawberry compote with a little bit of um, Moscato grappa just to sort of set it off. It's really pretty. It's really light. Yeah. I just, I mean, uh, uh, when you say all these ingredients, I mean, you can hear that I'm stumbling over my words because I just, I don't know, there just sounds, it's just buckets of flavour, but somehow there's just a, a really sensitive touch as well um, with all these dishes. They're just, I can just completely imagine the way the flavours are layered in those dishes. There's a real depth to them. And I think, you know, the way that you use the wood oven, there's this, it's really amazing the way that that style of cooking can just really create so many, such a such a depth of flavour and so many different points that you can sort of experience a dish. It's, um, yeah, it's really quite transfixing even to listen to, let alone eat. Thanks, Danny. 
You know, I uh, I learned. I mean, I've learned from some great people in all my um, early years, and um, and in particular later. I started learning a lot from Italian cooks, Stefano Di Perry, and um, people that were, yeah, just really good at cooking, but from more natural sort of perspective, home and um, traditional. And they really taught me about harnessing, I suppose, the energy of an ingredient. And um, just it's just taking something it's very simple but harnessing that energy is all about um, appreciating the ingredient for what it is and not changing it too much but just um, um, making it shine um, by skill and uh, appreciation for what it is I suppose it's a deep knowledge of what that ingredient is whether it's a vegetable or a fruit and being in the prime of its um, ripeness and all of those things I think Italians know so much about that. Mm. And, yeah. I mean, it, tell us about the setup of the restaurant because it's, you know, you're there, it's, it, it's you, you, people are really welcomed into almost like the hearth and the home. Like just give us, give people who haven't been to the restaurant an idea of how it's set up and, and how it all works. Sure. Well, uh, you're exactly right, Danny. The restaurant is designed very much around the hearth and a home. Patrick, um, my husband, who's also an architect, did the design and we approached it as if we approached our own house and how we entertain, which is to have everyone gathered around um, the big kitchen bench table and um, everything's just spilling out from it. So when you walk in, um, it's it's warm, there's fires everywhere, there's flowers everywhere and produce everywhere and you just see us in the kitchen, you know, just gently, quietly cooking everything in front of you. Um, There's a big grill behind us going and a big wood oven. So all the food's kind of just tumbling gently out throughout the day. Um, You're just in this flow of one after the other. And um, so I think you're surrounded by there's art, there's so much to sort of take in, but it's really designed to make you feel comfortable and make you feel like you just can relax and that's it's a very long slow lunch uh, and that's what people do they relax and have a very long lunch and enjoy themselves and that's how we've approached it mm. it's uh, we're talking a lot on the podcast at the moment about you know how hospitality work can uh, in, interacts with people's lives and, you know, how they make a, a life in and around it, whether, you know, and whether it works for them. Can you talk about that journey for yourself and, you know, whether you think you've found the right balance with, you know, doing what you do and creating something incredible that, you know, takes a lot of heart and and attention but also having a, a family life and, you know, your own other interests around it? Sure, it's been a really big driver, you know, for us um, in, in the in the early years. You know, I did I did all of those years of slogging, and uh, they're hard uh, hours to sustain. And then you try to squeeze a family and a relationship in all of that, and you know, everyone that's in hospitality can relate. It's really tough. And I sort of said to myself, really long time ago, I really want to do this. I want to do you know, what I'm doing now is exactly what 
I set out to do a very long time ago. Jamie and I talked a lot about it and we have managed to create this amazing work-life balance. I wouldn't say that I'm not a busy person. I'm super busy, but I've got my family right next door um, and I've managed to entwine them into the restaurant um, so they're very much involved. Um, I have, you know, I'm keep myself pretty fit, Um, all the staff, we managed to work enough that the business model model works and yet we still have two days off of the week. We only do one double shift because we choose to be open, um, you know, manageable hours. They're just lunches from Friday through to Monday, Um, as I said, with just one double and um, that's a really sustainable work model. There's... There's also oh, sorry, just, you, you go. Ahead. <laughs> we we also close one day of a, a month, and that's just to give us that breather and space. And it's just all about having a team that is strong, creative. Um, they have, you know, they, there's this sustenance is is fulfilled, and yet they have enough time to have balance, and that's that's really important. We all like being healthy, and we all like being really creative, and we love what we do. And I think this is this has really worked for us. Mm. So, I mean, what have been the levers you've been able to pull to make it make it work as a business? Well, I think I guess the way I've designed it, which is a small team. Uh, Um, in the kitchen and a set menu. So the set menu means that everyone gets the same thing. So that reduces how much we have to produce. If it was an a la carte menu, um, we cook everything fresh on the day. There's no wastage. So it's just all about um, having the right um, um, balance of staff, costs and, and all of that. So I think mostly it's the fact that it's a very small team, but then it's also set it, you know, it's it's quite special. So what we charge, all of that just is, uh, it just works. Mm. Um, yeah. So how much is the set menu? How much does it cost to come? It's 155 Yeah. Five. Was it scary for you to, to set that price or was it just, did you just feel confident enough in what you were doing that you just needed to charge what it you know the true cost of of what it took to put it together we didn't start there we started at 125 and um you know it took us a while to work it all out and that's what we've arrived at we're really happy with where that's at it allows us to buy the best ingredients and it allows us to do what we do so it's high quality um yeah yeah Mm. and it's 30 seats isn't it yeah, 35. And that's 35. A really, 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 really nice number to cook for. There's no turnaround, so it's just that one seating um, each day. And uh, we all start at sort of 8 o'clock in the morning, so it's a pretty epic day by the time you get through it. And um, But it's it's really, really lovely way to cook. 35 is just uh, such a nice number because you don't have to – produce a massive amount of everything, which means that the style of cooking is really precise. It's, um, you know, where it's really focused and cooking something on the day for the day is a really uh, lovely way of um, 
yeah, putting food together. It doesn't have to be put back in the cool room and pulled out later and reheated. Um, so I think that really translates in um, how it eats and also the energy in the kitchen because what you're doing every day is creating a whole dinner party fresh from scratch every day, which is lovely. Mm. And you said earlier that you have one day off a month. What do you mean? (laughs) So one of those, one of those four days that you're normally open, you just don't open. Yeah. 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 That's so great. Like an RDO. Yeah. Like an RDO. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, (laughs) no, like not exactly a a great business model, but you know, it also, it works because everyone just needs that extra day every now and again, and they're all so much happier for it. And so they come in really refreshed and you get a lot more out of the team. So I feel like as long as we can do that, we will continue to try to do that. It does work in the, in the long run. Mm. And I mean, there's such a massive conversation around hospitality staffing at the moment. And one of the things that always comes up is that people want certainty of hours. They don't want the casual work doesn't work for everybody, at least not through their whole career. Are you with this model? Are you able to put people on um, like on permanent uh, part time or full time wages? Everyone here, uh, except for um, a couple of the kitchen hands, are on permanent. So they're all, um, the whole team is one team. And that's the other thing that's really nice. They start the week together, they finish the week together. It's one project. They're all bound like that. So it's like very, very strong for the team. You know, there's not people doing split shifts and, you know, knocking off and starting. Uh, Even the kitchen hands are permanent part-time. So, I mean, that's not for everyone, but that works for us because of the model. And it's, um, it's also great for the culture because particularly through COVID, you know, everyone had to pull together in order to to try to survive and um, the same original team that started the restaurant which is also fantastic and they all started together and started this type of restaurant that I hadn't really done before I don't think anyone else had really seen anything like this before so we all formed a very strong bond through trying to make it all work I suppose. Are there things that you still uh, are working towards or do you feel like, you know, after all these years in hospitality, you've really built the business that, that suits you down to the ground? Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I'm really happy with it. We will continue to tweak and improve and um, it's it, it, I still find that there are aspects of it that are hard and it's mainly that my my family life is, it's a little bit squished at the moment. You know, my daughter's 11 and um, there's the conflict that every working mother has, which is you just have the guilt about being there at work. And when I finish service, there's just so much still to do and there's the team to, you know, connect with and lead and um, to go over things. But then your heartstrings going, well, I've really got to be home and rustle up some dinner and hang out with the family. So there's no perfect um, solution, but it's definitely close. And when my daughter comes into the restaurant and hangs out there with the staff and she helps sometimes and she's learnt to carry plates out and she's great at talking to customers, um, (laughs) I'm I'm just delighted because that's such a win. It's beautiful. 
That is really beautiful. And um, as the parent of teenagers who like probably couldn't think of anything worse than spending long amounts of time with me, um, that I really hope that that lasts. (laughs) She's, um, yeah, that she sticks around and you can keep spending that time together doing, creating beautiful food and beautiful hospitality experiences. Me too. Um, so, Brigitte, tell us, you know, what other things are on your mind? What shall, what else shall we talk about? Because I've got lots of questions, but I feel like I want to give you the space to talk about topics that are uh, front of mind for you. Well, I'm like you, Danny. I've got like a, a bucket of things um, to talk about. And it's, uh, it's really nice that um, you're so I- inquisitive. I mean, I guess for me... Uh, what's really nice about Tedesca is that we've actually pulled off something that we have thought about or, you know, I've been thinking about for such a long time and um, it uh, was really hard to get here Um, and, um, you know, every day I appreciate it. I was in the garden this morning cutting the flowers for the restaurant and um, it was pouring with rain and it wasn't a great morning for it, but it's my favourite um, beginning of the week when I'm in the garden and I've sort of got this beautiful garden because my father was a landscape gardener, so I kind of grew up with a bit of an interest and a green thumb. And, um, you know, and I come here to work and the people that are in this team are very special. They're all super lovely individuals that I enjoy spending time with and are really creative and really hardworking. So that's just such a plus. And then when I look back, I go, God, I, you know, I thought about this for years and even wrote it down in a little book because I was really wanting it to happen so much. And I was in this tiny little wine bar, the Enoteca, um, going, is this, is this it? And uh, I was, you know, had to put that dream aside for quite a few years and, often kind of thought that it wouldn't really happen. So I'm, yeah, I'm deeply appreciative that I'm here now because I did manage to pull it off and I had lots of help and a great husband that actually made it all happen in the end. Um, but I do I do think that it's a good time to talk about change in the industry because I would like to see there's just so many good people in the industry and what they are doing is is great and they've got a lot of hardships coming up for them this year and it'll be really interesting to see um, what is possible and what can shift. What? Yeah, I mean, what do you think should shift? Well, there are, there are many things that need to be shifted. Um, you know, I think... I think there's a whole range and it's complicated about why hospitality is set up the way it is, but I think that it needs to have a, a bit of a revolution about how it's set up because I think the model of many places are still a really old model that doesn't really work anymore. Rents are too high, margins are too small, you know, we don't have access to um, cheap labour and visa workers anymore Uh, you know these are all things that is what we used to base a hospitality model on and um, people don't really or particularly Australians don't seem to really want to work for places that are where you're overworked 
and face it, there are a lot of places that expect you to work 60, 70. I mean, I've even heard 80 hours is, you know, it's considered normal. The environment's not great. You know, it's not a lovely environment. It's not like you are often nurtured and um, training's great. So I think, you know, a level of professionalism is certainly going to improve. Um, I think rent's a major problem. And, um, you know, I feel sorry for people that are in these situations where they're locked into high rents, and we were one of them. We were in the inner ticker. We could not get out of this situation. We were really struggling, but we were bound to this rent, and, you know, that's that needs to be adjusted or looked at differently, I think. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think even something as fundamental as dinner is a problem. Like you're only doing one dinner. I mean, people, this whole idea of going out to eat, so often it's dinner. Like if it was lunch, it would be, it would solve a lot of problems. In what way? Well, just the whole night thing in terms of lifestyle. Like, I mean, I don't know how to solve it because I love going out for dinner. But just the fact that it's at night is, you know, it's it's just a – I don't know, it's a problem in people's lives. It's a problem for families, isn't it? I agree. You know, um, you either have a family that all do the same thing, a bit like a circus, and that's what it is. Um, if you have, like, someone else in your family that's in the same industry, but if you have someone that's not, then you're just in ships in the night, passing in the night. So I, I get that. I think um, the other big thing is penalty rates, and um, I just don't understand why we have to pay penalty rates for the weekend when people come to dine and they don't get charged more. So what's that all about? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the charging more is a massive part of it. And, I mean, the buck has to stop with the diner, really. And I think, you know, it's great to see businesses like you charging what you need to charge to make it to make it work, uh, you know, there, uh, there's an article, there's lots of articles around at the moment about, oh, my God, the price of coffee is going to go up, the price of burgers is going to go up. And I just think that's great. Like it, it, it should have already happened and it should it should go up more. Um, that's the big thing. The price really has to go up for um, quality and people has to have to understand that food and labour particular in order to make the food costs a lot. So it's got to go up. Yeah, it's got to go up. But then the thing is, so if it goes up, then people might not be able to have it as much. But then that's good as well because then businesses can only open four days a week, let's say. So maybe all the things that we think are a crisis are actually a difficult but but positive transition in the end. Higher prices, uh, restricted hours, fewer staff. There are no staff anyway, so why don't we just build an industry where we don't need as many? I mean, yeah, maybe it's um, it's painful for a lot of people and it's it's hard if you want to go out to, to a restaurant on a Tuesday night, but it's uh, but yeah, it maybe overall it's it's what needs to happen. I agree with that, Danny. I think that will also happen. I think you'll see this year that um, you know, whilst 
Some places have closed a couple of days just in order to manage their staffing levels. There'll also come a point where some just won't survive because they've all been doing so much overtime that it'll just snap. And so what you'll see is a lot of places closing. And look, let's face it, Melbourne has had um, an incredible population of restaurants and cafes. Um, It will be thinned out. Um, They'll become more special or just they'll just become better. The places that are really well run will survive and um, staff will be better looked after and things will improve. I think it'll be a really tough year. But I actually see this as a huge positive because it'll force people to change, shift their expectations and, um, you know, I think that that we are so um, passionate about what we do in hospitality that um, surviving this and changing for the better is just going to be, um, it's going to be a really big positive in the long run. Yeah, and I also think perhaps you will see a greater differentiation between restaurants because it's people, it's not just this sort of sea of pork belly and crispy skin salmon, like people really have to think about what it is that they can offer that's different and perhaps they have a bit more time to think about it. It's not just this um, this treadmill that people are on. Yeah, it's not just a commodity. Yeah, I agree. Mm. So uh, it feels like you're sort of seeing some difficult months ahead or perhaps a difficult year ahead but a, a sort of brighter future on the other side of it. I do. I I think like anything, you know, change doesn't come about without a bit of force Um, in general. We don't generally like changing if we can continue to do what we we do. But it's been broken for a really long time and... um, and I've been, you know, observing the industry and uh, think that it will be hard for a lot of people. And um, I, I feel for the people that um, uh, it's their livelihood and, you know, with r- rents are difficult. And look at all those people that have got deferred rent. I mean, the poor people who have been through so much. Um, but it will force people to think about things differently. Already so many people have left the industry because they've, thought it through and they've, well, I don't really want to do that anymore. It's not even though I've loved it, it doesn't look after me in the way that I need it to. Um, we need to listen to that and that's what will happen. Mm. I mean, what do you think, it, how do you think it will shake down in terms of, you know, Melbourne or Victoria or different parts of Australia being great dining destinations? Do you think it will make it, uh, do you think it will sort of dilute that idea or do you think it will actually strengthen it? Well, you know, I think that people will be starting to look for different models that work for them. And I think that largely it's all about uh, rentals. And so where there is areas like in the neighbourhoods that have been flourishing through lockdown, the rents are lower than in the city, I think that we'll start seeing a bit more of a spread outward. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's just... A, a feeling I have. Um, it will be just more helpful to have um, areas that are more local and um, smaller, not such big places that just take a lot to run. So that's that's probably something that I think might happen. Mm. Um, so 
it's so interesting. We'll have to reconnect in a in a year. I mean, hopefully before that, but we'll have to do a, have another chat in a year and see where things are at. Because yeah, I think you really you really you've really identified a lot of a lot of things that sort of need to change and 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 can change. And yeah, it's just hopefully not with too much heartbreak along the way. Um, Brigida, let's let's change gears. Can you tell me about the um, ferment project that you're doing with Sharon Flynn? Oh, yeah, I'm very excited about that. She's a really exciting lady and um, she's super creative. Uh, she came out during lockdown. Um, we had a few sort of projects going on just to keep us sane and one of them was Sharon Flynn coming down, um, teaching us a little bit about fermenting and pickling. So um, we had some... pickles and things to do with our vegetables. So we've got the ground, uh, the ground base all worked out. And so the next project's really going to be about um, all the summer fruit. Um, We have lots of berries coming up, both in um, my farm and um, the surrounding orchards around here. So there's cherries and raspberries coming up, Um, Mary Lucas, someone that a friend of ours that has a beautiful garden she grows for us. Uh, she has a lot of red currants and black currants and raspberries. So besides putting them in our dessert, we thought a really nice thing would be to make a, a drink out of them. So Sharon's going to show us how to make um, some raspberry and cherry kefir. Um, but also, excitingly, we're going to make a mead out of our honey. Oh. Um, we have um, a few hives in our um, orchard and I've never made mead before, but I'm particularly interested. So we're um, yeah, we'll make our own mead, um, and that'll be that'll be put with I think some currants, and that'll make a drink that will sort of thread throughout the menu. Hmm. That's so wonderful. How um, I mean, you you know, working at the Enoteca in in Gertrude Street in Fitzroy for for so long, very inner, very urban. What tell me about the difference that being so close to produce has made to your cooking? Everything actually, it's just made a huge difference because uh, it. I mean, it surrounds the whole restaurant. Uh, we're in it. We're we're in all these ingredients. Um, it defines the menu. So I'm constantly walking through the garden with Sally, looking ahead at all the little things that are growing. Okay, so the lettuces are coming up, uh, the chilies are coming up. So I'm sort of start thinking ahead of what's coming. And then there are, you know, things that inspire you because visually you look at them like when the coriander starts going to seed, it has this really beautiful green flavour think about things so the garden um very much drives the menu and then you know you're driving around the peninsula picking things up and all the fruit and the cherries and everything's coming up so it's telling you what's going on the menu um and that's a really nice way to work and sometimes it's a bit of a juggle because you've got to be pretty on to um, harnessing these things before they, you know, get on top of you. Um, but we're, we're a bit more like rehearsed with it now. We've got all of our jars, we've, you know, got our systems in place and when all the berries hit and when like uh, the sour cherries hit the season, which is very short, we know that we've got to bottle them and um, pickle them and all of those kind of things. So it's, 
yeah, it's kind of fun um, once you get your systems all going and it's a really nice way to work. Yeah, it sounds so much more concrete than just, I guess, you know, sitting sitting in a room in, in Fitzroy just abstractly thinking about the season. Yeah, I, I, th- I think um, that that's how I used to do it. I used to just think, oh, what would I like to cook? Um, and now it's like the opposite. It's like, um, you know, you see, you see the development of the produce and it just speaks to you. Um, and also it's, it's about necessity. You know, Mary will ring me and she says, I've got all these stingy nettles, you've got to take some. So I'm like, right, it's pitta, you know, it's spanakopita. And um, that's what we do. And then, then you go, well, what's that going to work with? And, you know, you start threading ideas based around um, things that, you know, work together, but they're all basically in front of you um, and they all work because they all grow in the season so somehow magically it all just works anyway yeah honestly that just so explains the feeling that you get eating there where where it is that real feeling of being anchored and I think even that makes you feel comfortable and like you're just ready for this afternoon to unspool before you without any sense of hurry it's just like you set down your roots in the restaurant just like those plants have set down their roots in the soil around well, thank you. That yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's um, really, really nice to eat um, food that I, I suppose it's just very natural. It's uh, it's not like doing, you know, magic, um, magical, you know, things in front of you. It's just it's pretty and it's just natural and it's just really delicious and it gets well, allows you to move on and um, have a good time and enjoy things without being overwhelmed by what's being said on the plate, which is just personally what I like to do when I go out and eat. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, Brigitte, is there anything else you want to say as we wind up our lovely warm chat? (laughs) Thanks, Danny. You know, um, it's really nice speaking to you and um, we'll we'll do it again and we can check in when we progress down here. Um, Thank you for being interested and I really love you have put in so much this year um, in the industry and it's great having someone like you with a voice um, who uh, you're very observant and um, you articulate the industry really well and you've been really interesting people on board so i've enjoyed your um your, your perspective oh thank you well you weren't meant to talk about me but all right fine maybe we'll cut this bit out but <laughs> it's been it's been such a pleasure to speak to you i'm going to hopefully snare a table at the restaurant this summer um just uh, cannot wait to eat your food again but thank you so much for chatting to us today it's been a real pleasure great thanks danny have a great one you too This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. Peace.